it's time to get cozy and watch a Christmas movie. Cuddle up with a cutie and watch a Christmas movie. It's a podcast in a queer tree. Hello, and welcome back to a podcast in a queer tree, a podcast where Nicole will take literally any excuse in the world to talk about country music. My name is Nicole. I'm Scott. I don't need any excuse to talk about country music, I guess, but this movie certainly gives us one since it takes place in Nashville and is primarily concerned with country music. Um, I don't think my memory is inaccurate. In fact, I can check this in my notebook when we watched the Hallmark 2020 preview Christmas movie preview together. Yeah, I wrote down yeah, I wrote down the titles of three movies that I wanted to watch as a result of that preview. Nashville mm-hmm. Christmas Carol, nailed it. Timeless Christmas, nailed it. Good Morning Christmas, Future nailed it. So <laughs> Future nailed it. <laughs> future nailed it. Obviously, this movie was Nicole's choice. No one is surprised by that. Um Nashville Christmas Carol 2020 Hallmark movie. Here is a synopsis. A television producer is forced to work with the man who broke her heart on a country music Christmas special while being interrupted by Christmas spirits determined for her to revisit her past. Yeah, so it's basically Dickens A Christmas Carol. Yes. Um, set in Nashville, except with a there, lot of country music stars, which I'm very excited of, to talk about. A lot about. of country music stars. Um, I'd say yep. where it differs from Dickens is there's basically no Scrooge. Well, she's kind of a Scrooge. She's not like evil the way Scrooge is, but she like... Isn't she really she's Bob like, Cratchit? She's really... Um, is she Bob Cratchit? I don't know she's, that it's she's that She's just direct. working and slaving away. She just happens to also be in charge. Well, she's like working really hard, but she's also like, you know, she's like uptight and demanding. Like in the, the present ghost we see, she's like overhearing her employees talking about how they like her, but they wish she would like ease up and give them a break on the holidays, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's not like not <laughs> quite the same scale. Oh my God, they're so good. Yeah, no, like um, you never feel like the situation is dire the way it is in the Dickens story where it's really much more about yeah, it's like everything... redeeming an evil person. Whereas this one, it's like yeah. redeeming someone who is working too hard and is maybe not putting a, an appropriate amount of emphasis on her own needs. Well, and particularly important is that she needs to find a man. She needs true love. Yes. Yeah. That solves everything. <laughs> don't you know? Yeah. Well, and uh, you know, in a way that it didn't solve all the problems in Dickens' time. So, <laughs> yeah. my how times have changed. Yeah. Um, did you get a bingo in this movie? Did you play bingo? You know, I thought I did. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll tell you about mine while you look for your bingo card. Yeah. Um, I did not get a bingo. I got quite a few squares, but none of them accumulated into a bingo. Um, some notable ones, original song or performance, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I, I gave myself weird transport because of the ghost travel. They were traveling mm-hmm. back in time. That, 
that is literally weird transport. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I was very, very pleased about that one. Um, blatant product placement, but I can't remember what for. I'm sure that I wrote it down. Um, empty coffee cup. A lot of empty coffee cups in this yes. movie. Yep. Did you find um, your card? Photographers everywhere. Um, we're just friends, again, and driven apart by a misunderstanding. But I didn't get a line, though. Okay. Um, well, this movie opens with a rehearsal for the Nashville Christmas Carol. Nashville Country Christmas. Country Christmas Live. Fuck. Okay. So the name was, of the show. I was hoping you would be able to explain to me what the nature of this show is, because my assumption the entire time is that it's some kind of annual Christmas special. Yeah. Yeah, it's like an annual Christmas variety. Hour, but it also seems as if they've been working on it for six months and that they're going to continue working on it after it's broadcast. So is it like the Grand Ole Opry broadcast where it's just every week? So I think that this show is supposed to emulate the feeling of the Grand Ole Opry. I think we're supposed to believe that she is as big a deal as the executive producer at the Grand Old Opry right. would be. Um, so I think like the a weekly one country of, music showcase that has a big Christmas special is what I was guessing. This is my assumption. Um, they don't really talk about it in that way. Like they talk about the country Christmas live as its thing, right? But they don't talk about like the name of the theater it happens in, how long it's been going on, like not the Christmas specials, but sort of like if there's other shows throughout the year. So mm. it's a little bit murky. And I think one of the most unbelievable parts of this movie in a practical sense, not a magical sense, is that her only job is doing this Christmas special. Yeah, like I, th that was kind of confusing to me too, because it seemed as if her job is that she's basically a freelance director. Yeah, that's what it seems like. And they, she has a production company basically with her sister and the guy friend whose name I forget. Parker. Parker, who, yep. who her sister is secretly fucking. Yeah. And so at least three of them, if not more people, are part of this company. And my assumption was that they just book jobs and you know work like a month on this special and then maybe a couple weeks shooting some commercials or they've got like some regular gig doing other stuff not that it was like there's just so i, I guess a I just don't gig. yeah I, I don't really understand how the job situation works um and yeah. then to and then to make stuff more confusing there's this whole subplot about whether or not the sister should go to law school well, and then there's another subplot where it's not sure if Vivian should um, executive produce these fancy awards, this fancy award show. Yeah. So yeah. maybe maybe it's just a world we don't understand. Maybe they were just kind of like, here are the broad strokes, like things of it. Don't think, think about it too it. hard. I, I, yeah, I think that's basically it. They They got some buzzwords and kind of threw them down and were like, that'll sound real. Yeah, totally. But but underneath, um, it's still basically just like a generic executive board boardroom promotion story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the I work in tech equivalent. Yeah. 
Um, so the movie opens with rehearsal for Country Christmas Live and Belinda Banners, I believe her last name is, Belinda, is rehearsing. Belinda, played by Sarah Evans, who is a real life country star. Um, Here she must be. Yes, she is. Um, she's got a great voice. Um, yeah. And we learn, so she's, uh, Belinda's rehearsing and um, Vivian is the executive producer and she's, you know, she and the crew are sort of in the, in the audience doing their executive producing thing. Um, and then we get this banter about Alexis Reinhardt who is the sort of starlet like Belinda has like a pretty established artist you know she's had a big career and then Alexis is sort of this newer younger starlet who's coming in um she hates pineapple I wrote down I think she's supposed to, we're supposed to believe that she's sort of like demanding high maintenance but she really doesn't come off that way no like this, this is a weird it's a weird line nice. Yeah, they have these like nice women helping women moments at the end. I don't know. It seemed odd. Anyway, Alexis is played by an artist, a real life country artist named Ray Lynn, who has had a few radio hits, including a song called God Made Girls, which I will encourage uh, our listeners to go to our Instagram account because I will absolutely have posted something about this song it is it is really something this is it song. gay the song it is oh. absolutely not gay <laughs> okay no no it's the it's, god made girls is like to take it exactly at face value it's like it's exactly it's like, what it sounds like. man i feel like a woman straight or um it's 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 rough it's rough i'll say that that's too bad I mean, it's kind of funny because it kind of sounds like a satirical song, but it's not. It's very serious. Anyway, uh, Raylan, um, medium famous in real life. Okay. Um, so then and, we cut. And the star, Vivian, Jesse Schramm. Does she have a country career? Uh, she was on Once Upon a Time. Oh, she was on Nashville too. Of course. She played Cash in, the, in a later season of Nashville. The same as, um, hmm. as uh, Prince Edward from princess switch nice. also also nashville kids so yeah she she seems to do like actual country singing and stuff but they didn't actually have her do that no. in this one no did, did, did they uh-uh not really no not that i clocked anyway i feel like i would have remembered if she'd done country singing yeah um so then Wait, does Gavin show up at that point? I don't think we've met Gavin yet. He is there, but he remember he's kind of like hiding behind a pillar and she hasn't seen him yet. Oh, right. But, because so Gavin is Belinda's manager and he's been yeah, her manager the, the for a very long time. Sees him yeah. And they have like a brief exchange where he's like, Oh, so you're back in town, eh? Because he hasn't yeah. been in he hasn't been he's been like working in LA and hasn't been back in Nashville for like a couple years or something or long enough that people can jerk his chain about losing his root. <laughs> I just remembered his father. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Fucking asshole. I didn't have overbearing relative on my bingo card, but oh, I kind of wish I had. Oh, too bad. It was a real gift. I know. Real missed opportunity. Um, okay. So we cut to 
Vivian's house where she and her sister Georgia are wrapping gifts. We find out that uh, Vivian has made the shortlist to produce the Icon Music Awards, whatever those are. And if she's chosen, chosen, she would have to move to LA. Um, but it doesn't matter because she won't miss her. It, her sister will be gone either way because she's going to go to law school and their dad is in Tahiti and they're constantly FaceTiming him. Yeah. You know, what's funny about this movie is how, and I think they did a pretty good job of it. There's so so many things about this movie are clearly designed around having to shoot in a COVID environment. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like they the FaceTime. Yeah, the, yeah, the FaceTiming with the dad. Um, the fact that they make such they basically bend over backwards at the beginning of the movie to talk about how they're calling the show live, even though there's no audience. They're going to make it seem as if it's live. Yep. And that that gets them out of having to have an audience. Yeah, big big um, COVID so feels like on that one. Hey? Everyone's spaced out. Like it's it's cleverly done, but there are there's like apart from the principal actors, like nobody is in this movie. <laughs> I have an amazing COVID catch for you. Um, oh, cool. Bit, a bit later in the film that I is I found uh, delightful. I read about it and then had, had to rewind. I didn't catch it myself, but when I did catch it, it was very exciting. Their dad looks um, very familiar. Is he a country music guy? Oh, I don't know. He, um, I thought at first he was like Gary Cole or some character actor that just looked, but then I thought like, what the fuck would Gary Cole be doing in this? Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know who who he is but or where I think I know him from but um, anyway um so after the <clears throat> um moment this gift wrapping scene we mm. go to what is supposed to be the fictional version of the country music hall of fame which is of course a very famous uh country music like hall of fame museum in Nashville sure. Tennessee I don't remember what it's called in the movie. It's I just have Hall of Fame, um, some approximation. So um, Vivian is looking at an exhibit about Marilyn, who was the executive producer of Country Christmas Live uh, before Vivian. And we find out later was also her mentor and sort of yeah. gave Vivian her start. And that's when on a job in the big time. That is Winona Judd. So Winona Judd is one of the most um, celebrated uh, country women in country music um, of all time. She was one of two people in the band The Judds with her mom, Naomi Judd. Oh, okay. Wow, she brought them up as a single parent while she was oh, yeah. attending nursing school. Yes, I remember that was, I remember when The Judds debuted as popular artists and that was, kind of a big part of their background story was yeah yeah um so anyway Winona Judd is a big deal um oh, yes. and that is great and exciting so Vivian is looking at um this sort of this like the part of the museum that's about Marilyn because in this movie Marilyn Winona Judd's character is dead um and so she was the exec Marilyn was the exec on the show 10 years ago and it seems like 
like that's where Vivian got her start and like took it over from her. So she's been the exec on this show for like many years, right? I guess. Like she's been working on it in some capacity for 10 years. Yeah. And it seems like has been the executive producer for several of those years. Yeah. Um, so she meets with Gavin at this Hall of Fame, and Gavin is there sort of to be like, hey, we have an awkward past. And also Belinda, my is the only client. Yeah, that's that's kind of weird. Client. Belinda, my only client, needs a dog on stage because she's involved in some sort of dog charity. This is yeah. how I gave myself charity on my bingo card. Oh yeah. Um, and Vivian is like, I'll see what I could do. Yeah, that's a that's a weird little scene. It's odd. Yeah. It's odd. I, I I remember saying to Doctor Slip at the time, like, what what is the problem here? Just put a dog on the stage. Who gives a shit? Like, get get a I trained. Think, dog. I feel like maybe what part of this was supposed to illustrate was sort of Vivian's like Scroogeness, like yeah. Oh, I'm I'm sure ask- that's the intent. It's just it's not She's that like, big she- an ask. She's such a hard ass. Like she's going to say no. She's such a perfectionist. She's such a control freak. Mm. And I, I mean, I, I guess, yep, sure. But I'm with you. I'm like, get a dog who doesn't mind a lot of stimulation and call it a day. Who cares? People love seeing a dog. Yeah, exactly. Like as a producer, like a big deal. Yeah. As a producer, I feel like you'd be like, well, that will make the show like people will like the show more if I do that. So sure, let's do that. Put it in a Christmas sweater. People make clickbait about that. Just do yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who cares? So I guess my point really is come up with a, an actual problem. If, if you're yeah. Going to, <laughs> yeah, of course. If you're going to have a scene like this. Yeah. It, I guess it had to be a big enough the, problem that it could be resolved like, by the end of the it had to be a problem that could be like resolved by the end of the movie, not impact the actual conflict of the movie too much and also be evident. So like the dog is on stage at the end of the movie and yeah. it's like, oh, what a nice callback. Yeah. People can be like, hey, I remember and we got that. To see a do- yeah, and we got to see a dog. That was nice. Well, yeah. <clears throat> um, so, so back on the set, Vivian has discovered a music box yeah. mystery gift. No one knows where it came from. <clears throat> She's like, it must be part of the set design. She opens it up. She opens it. it takes Here's her cute soul. music. She's like, She's like, oh, that's nice. And Parker's like, I don't hear anything. And it's like, boom, boom. <laughs> that's creepy as fuck. <laughs> Shit. So this is the point. Was it? I don't remember it being creepy. I just remember being really creeped out just the way that actor delivered it. He's like, I don't care. Mm. <laughs> it's like, oh shit. <laughs> He's like, Gavin's been dead for 20 years. <laughs> Do- Dr. Slip, <laughs> at, at that point, Dr. Slip literally started to say, Has she had a stroke? <laughs> is she okay? <laughs> yeah. Is, is this she- whole movie a fever dream? Yeah. Is she dead? Is this a Jacob's Ladder scenario, as they like to say on how to get made? Um. So yeah, we, we thought it was going to go in a, in a very dark direction, but. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I mean, the, the music, I feel like music box music is always a little bit ominous. Like it can always go dark, you know? Like that's kind of the beautiful Herod thing about music box music. We should also mention around this time that uh, 
well, you did mention, I guess, that she's got the possible promotion, but it, she gets the news from Henry Moss, the big boss. Yes. Who is this tall black man. Yep. Did you notice there's a lot of black folks in this movie with speaking roles? Do any of them actually influence the trajectory of the film? Well, Henry Moss absolutely does. I guess that's true because he offers her because he's like a job. Yeah, he's like he gives her a couple of devil, devil's bargains, right? Where it's like, mm. come out to LA and work for me; it'll be no problem. And then at the end, he's like, "But first, you've got to lose the dog." Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "But I, no, it's not the it's not the dog. She has to replace Belinda with Alexis." Oh, that's right. You've got to replace Belinda. That's even worse. <laughs> the dog. <laughs> Why in my, in my you have to you. Send that dog back to the pound. You've, you've got to shoot that dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> wow, Henry Moss is a real villain in your memory, eh? He really is. Um, I mean, I am. I, I, I think that um, your observation of there being a noticeable increase in the number of black characters in this movie is good. And as usual, I will say, is this, is a positive change i will say that like the topic of black representation in country music is something i think and talk a lot about like i feel like if i were ever inclined to write a dissertation which i am not i could do it on black artists in country music because mm. black people invented country music and mm. The representation of Black artists in contemporary Western country music is abysmal. Um, like recently, I'm just going to go on a quick rant here. Uh, recently, and by recently, I mean, I think recently, um, within the last week, Charlie Pride passed away. Um, oh, I didn't he was know 86. that. He died from, yeah, he died from COVID complications. Um, oh, that's awful. Which is sort of, yeah, extra like sort of tender and devastating. So Charlie Pride, uh, the namesake of one of my cats, mm. is one of the most important um, historical figures, and I mean historical and contemporary figures in country music. He was the first Black person to be inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame and remains only one of three Black people. Um, one of the other ones, there, whenever there's three of something, I always forget one of the things, um, in this case, the name um, of the second man, they're all men, obviously, to be inducted. And the third man is Darius Rucker, formerly of Hootie and the Blowfish, and now has a very successful country music career. He's great. His country music is great. Interesting. Yes. That makes sense, um, actually. I can see that. Yeah, he's, his voice and his like musicality is very well suited for country music. I'm yeah. very pleased to hear him on country radio. Huh, interesting. Um, there are very few black female artists at least they get play on canadian country music radio um i think that the situation is different in the states like american um stations have a lot more freedom canadian stations are a little more <clears throat> regulated i think um rhiannon giddens is one of note she was a founding member of the carolina chocolate drops she is she's a trained opera singer um and is one of probably the most skilled banjo players in the entire world. She has the most incredible 
voice. She's an incredible talent. She's amazing. She's also a member, a founding member of a band called Our Native Daughters, um, which is a band of, I mean, she's mixed race, I think. I don't know the lineage of everyone in the band, but I think all of the women are have Black ancestry. Um, and it's like a female, all female, Black country, like folk combo. Cool. Um, anyway, the racism in country music is, um, I mean, <clears throat> you know, white supremacy in country music is no, is very apparent. You don't have to really dig at all to find it. Um, it's pretty brutal. You know, Beyonce I mean, wrote you, a- If you look at American Beyonce, popular music, you, you talk about how it originated with black folks. Of course, so did rock and roll, so did jazz, so did blues, so yeah. did pretty much everything in American music, except for mm-hmm. say classical opera. Um, it feels like with other forms of popular music, especially, obviously, you know, you know, rap and hip hop never really got stolen completely. They were always primarily held onto by black artists. Rock and roll has clawed back somewhat so that Mm -hmm. it's not all white artists, but country music, man, apart from Charlie Pride, I literally could not think of another black person in country music. Yeah, it's brutal. Like, and yeah, I'm, like it, I like mean, they they are still like white folks are still holding on to. I'm guessing at least ninety five percent of the country music market, if not more. Oh, absolutely. I think probably more. I mean, there are three black people in the Country Music Hall of Fame, um, and I, you know, the Country Music Hall of Fame doesn't need to be our only metric of measuring success. I mean, I no, don't think Dolly Parton was in. I don't think Dolly Parton was inducted until like semi-recently so I'm like you know whatever they're doing their thing but yeah it is a very well-known sort of accolade of success Um, you know I would also take this opportunity to remind us all that Beyonce released a country song on her album Lemonade um, in 2017 16 whatever year it was she released Lemonade called um, fuck what was it called (sighs) daddy's whatever um it just comes up and I listen to it and like that country song like that is an amazing country song I didn't hear it on country radio obviously. I was gonna say did it get country radio airplay at all or no no and then a very quote controversial thing happened where at the American Country Music Awards which is like the Grammys of country music um the Dixie Chicks performed with Beyonce on stage they performed the song together and this was like all simultaneously widely criticized and applauded um, for like different reasons, obviously. And I sort of feel personally like a bit mixed about it. On one hand, I'm like, Beyonce should be performing at Country Music Awards if that's like her career choice. I think that should happen. And I'm, I'm also sure they like, were glad to have she, her. Any, any, she, well, I any don't know if that's be, true. Not any show, I don't think. I don't think that Beyonce is like country music brand. This is where the controversy comes in because people were like, she's not a country artist. Like she doesn't look like a country oh. artist. She doesn't sound like a country artist. Well, I mean, I agree, of course, but you know, like this is what I mean about country music being like steeped in white supremacy is like you have these and, ideals. And that's a that good you point about like from- looks. I mean, looks are important, like the the facade of pop stars is it's different in every form of 
of pop stardom, but it's it's still very much there, right? So like rock stars dress a certain way depending on period. It feels like country music stars do that as well. Is there just a lot of codification and anybody who looks queer or is of color or whatever just automatically cannot fit into those very narrow kind of stereotypical looks that country artists have? Um, I think that in lots of ways, country music has some pretty like narrow parameters of what's okay to sing about, like and and still be considered country. Right. What you look like and still be considered country. And if you deviate from them, or, or you're black, I mean, if you're black, you get called like a, a hip hop artist, right? Um, sure. Like there's a country song that was a crossover between Nelly and a band of three what the most famous like pop country band in North America called Florida Georgia Line and they did a collaboration a few years ago and people still like the country radio stations here in Halifax still get negative feedback from their listeners so much so that they'll preface the song before they play it. Like, you know, this song has been controversial. We've gotten feedback from our listeners about it, but like the majority of people like it and that's who we're here for. And then they'll play this song and it's like country and rap. And like, this is still a thing that people feel um, not just like righteously, like they deserve to be upset about it, but that they ought to be upset about it because some like, like terrible outdated tradition that they're like holding really dear is somehow being sullied by a like black I find artist. this whole thing so strange because when I really enjoyed country music the most would have been like in the 70s and early 80s mm-hmm. and then this thing called quote-unquote new country came along that yeah. was a lot more like pop music and was produced a lot more like pop music. So like the aforementioned Shania Twain and her rock star producer husband, you know, they, they made, I feel like that the purpose of that music was to cross over to mainstream radio. And it did a lot of the time, right? The only people from that era that I really kind of followed along much and, and enjoyed were the ones who sounded kind of like the older artists like mm-hmm. Dwight Yoakam or uh, Mary Chapin Carpenter. Yeah. Um, so it feels weird to me that people now, 25, however long it's been since the rise of new country would be calling, like, are they trying to call that? Is that canon now? Oh yeah. Like, that's, that's like, uh, well, Garth, but and I, I think Garth, I would Garth say Brooks that Brooks is like the new canon, and and anything that isn't in that parameter is. I mean, he he is he is canon now, but I would also say that like you are, I think like like the problem isn't like who is and is not canon. The problem is that black people don't belong in the canon in these in like the general public's view, right? Like that's the that's real what problem. I mean. Yeah. Like the template is still just this kind of doughy white yeah. guy. And like to go back to 
Beyonce's performance with the Dixie Chicks, like I was like so thrilled and so happy and so pleased to see this happening. And on the other hand, I'm like, fuck this industry that Beyonce needed to utilize the Dixie Chicks. And the Dixie Chicks are great, or they're not called the Dixie Chicks anymore. They're called the Chicks. Um, (laughs) Like she needed in order to be like accepted, which she barely was on a country music stage, she needed to appear alongside the chicks who I will also take this moment to say had their entire careers lit in flames because Mm. they shit talk George Bush for the Iraq war in 2004 and literally achieved, they achieved no success until 20, 20 when they released i think they released an album since then but it was it like didn't do well and didn't get any radio play for 15 years they basically received no they had no commercial success because of that one political comment so like it's really interesting the chicks and beyonce performing together a beyonce song um on stage and having the like very mixed reviews are the chicks basically the one kind of I guess openly liberal band that is allowed to exist in mainstream country music because I Um, I listen to the country music that I listen to now probably is what they call quote alt country so like Wilco, Sunvolt, stuff that's basically like an indie rock band with a slide guitar. Yeah right not country music yeah not not, well I think it is I think it is sure yeah purists don't right yeah sure um (laughs) I mean, I would say no to that question. I think that there is, I mean, there's lots of like queer country music if you can find it and know where to look for it. Um, Who would you recommend? uh, Brandi Carlisle is a lesbian country singer. She's amazing. She has a lot of mainstream success. Um, I've heard that name, yeah. Oh my God, she's amazing. Brandy Clark is also a queer country artist. There's also a <clears throat> an Instagram account that you can follow that highlights uh, queer country artists. I mean, Orville Peck, I think, is a really um, his sound is very like old country, um, but his approach is very new country. Um, country queer is the name of the account on Instagram. Um, it's very American, but it highlights a lot of like queer artists um you know i would say that the majority of artists getting radio play at least in canada in this part of the world are white presumed or declared straight people um you know singing about the regular things but i think there's like um ray spoon also did a country album with rodney rodney many years ago um ray spoon is a they're a canadian queer um sort of indie rock singer they also follow us on instagram you probably know that name because i sent you a text when they followed us and i was losing my noodle because i was so Uh, excited that they followed us cool that's how i knew we'd hit the big time Um, okay, we've been talking for an hour and I'm still on the first page of my notes. We're going to be oh, here all night. <laughs> no, it's good. You let, I mean, it was me, Scott. You let me rant about country music and racism for like 40 minutes. <laughs> you know, honestly, it's a pleasure just to talk about this music because I've, I've had friends in the past who have introduced me to some of these bands like Wilco, um, but I hardly ever talk about it to anybody. 
Um, and I don't know what's going on in that. Okay, so we've met... Oh, yes, the mysterious music box. The mysterious music box. We've met Henry Moss. So uh, Vivian takes the m- music box and gives it, to, I think, to Parker. And she's like, put this in the props room. Like, we don't need it. And then she has a meltdown over the milk and cookies. Right. Because um, the milk bottle has been painted white and the cookies... Something's wrong with the cookies. I don't oh, know. She's so detail-oriented. She's such a professional, yeah. Nicole. God. She just wants the best show. <laughs> so then the scene switches and we see Gavin um, on the phone with his parents. And he lets them go because Henry Moss calls him. Right. And I forget why. Why does Henry Moss call him? I didn't write it down. Um. Yeah, I'm not sure why he calls him. But I think that must be the place where he goes over Viv's head and talks to Henry Moss directly about getting the dog in the show. Right. Yes, of course. That's the, that's the result of that conversation. Yeah. I, I think that's just to show us that, that that's when it yeah. happens or something. Right. So then we switch backstage. Vivian has washed the white paint off of her hands and, you know, taken a couple deep breaths to calm the fuck down. Um, and she can hear the music box. The music box is trolling Vivian. So she wanders into the prop room and finds the music box. And then all of a sudden, she's magically transported into this country it's a music. Key. It's a port it's a key. Port and key. she's been sucked yes. into the graveyard to... Uh... Yeah, into a dive bar where uh, she sees Marilyn, uh, Ashley, or not Ashley Judd, Winona Winona Judd, Judd. Uh, drinking eggnog in a dive bar. And my note, she's my like, note here is that uh, Vivian is like, I was asking if Winona Judd is some kind of vengeance demon like in Buffy. And she's, here, <laughs> she, she's here to offer Viv a deal. Yeah. She's like, I'll take care of Gavin for you. Exactly. Do you you have some kind of wish, perhaps? (laughs) Yes, but don't you wish that? (laughs) Um, So they talk for a while. And did you find that similar to other movies with a magical component that Vivian accepted the terms of this situation very quickly? Yeah. Like she was like, oh, I'm going to be... Visited, I'm hanging out with my dead mentor, my dead ex-mentor, and I'm going to be visited by some ghosts. Cool. Can't wait. I think Vivian is exactly the kind of psychopath that she has actually accounted for this possibility in her plans. So when it happens, she's like, cool. All right. I thought this might happen. So and she's, she's like, like, I have a contingency plan for this. She's like, Leslie, nope. She pulls out the binder for this. <laughs> the binder. Like, She's like, like, I've got a binder for this. (laughs) And I'm going to have to postpone our lunch. Yeah. (laughs) We've been watching a lot of Parks and Rec. Clearly. It's a very comforting show. Oh, it is. Um, So then we meet the spirit of Christmas past, who I'm... That's Mr. His name is Pat. Brooks. Who I'm very excited to reveal is Kix Brooks, is his name, of the band kicks brooks k-i-x mm-hmm. of brooks and dunn mm-hmm. who um was a 90s hit they might still have music out now i think they've been around for a very long time they're definitely in the new country canon hits such as my maria and boot scoot and boogie oh um, that's them okay that's them that's brooks the and dunn. yeah 
Kix Brooks now, um, he really stays active. I'm not sure what Ronnie Dunn is up to, living a chill life, hopefully somewhere. Um, Kix Brooks also hosts a weekly country music countdown uh, on the radio. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, so yes, Kix Brooks, very exciting childhood country star. Childhood, there's country star of my childhood appears. So they go back in time to when Vivian is 10 years old. She's got her first camera and she's filming her, she's with her BFF, who is Gavin, it's Young revealed. Gavin. Young Gavin. And she's filming her little sister, Georgia, who we've met, dancing. Mm. And um, Pat, Kixbrooks, Pat, uh, reminds her that this is the last Christmas that she had with her mom before right. her mom abandoned her apparently we don't really get details about that we just know that Not this really. is the last the last christmas and then it jumps to the, the next christmas when she's 11 and kicks brooks is like you had to grow up fast and it's clear mm. that she's become like a surrogate mom to her little sister and like kind of not in a like like uh icky way but in a like age inappropriate way has become a like surrogate wife to her dad in the sense that she's taking on all of these adult roles and yeah. like taking responsibility for gifts and you know yeah, like, like the dad is tr dad is trying his best but he's like not doing a great job he's clearly struggling like he doesn't even really get her a christmas gift it's very sad it is very sad and and she has yeah as you said she's basically had to make sure that her little sister had a christmas that first year because their dad mm -hmm. wasn't up to it last night when I was watching it I don't know if it was just because I was distracted or or just the way they cut it together but I was confused at first about how these flashbacks uh, laid together um, mm. so it basically took until they introduced the second ghost and I was like oh okay I, I get where we are now because um, uh, what, I'm, I'm not sure what screwed me up about? well what screwed me up i think was that brooks takes her to several times in her life mm -hmm. whereas i i think generally i expect each ghost to only go to one place oh i you see sure. I mean? so right I, like one pivotal moment yeah exactly it, it just confused gotcha. me sure sure but i enjoyed him mm -hmm. yes he's a very charming ghost yeah um so then we go back to the present um, where we find out that Henry Moss, the big boss, Henry Moss, big boss, uh, loves, loves the dog idea that Gavin pitched to him directly. Yep. And Vivian yep. is son of a bitch. Oh, Vivian is fuming. You yes. son of a bitch. Yep. So Gavin, in an effort to make nice, tells her that he will plan the rap party for the show if she agrees to the dog idea. And Vivian's like, okay, fine. So then we jump back to the past. Um, yes. And Gavin Vivian forgets is like- the scarf. And she- Oh, that's right. For some reason, the this, these wormhole travels or whatever it is that they're doing, it, it always involves some kind of object that she has to catch or pick yep. up or anyway, she, she tries to chase him to give it back and, runs into the past instead yes 
Um, and then she's like, Pat, could you give me some warning? And then Pat says a line that comes up a lot in like life and film that I don't love. Uh, he says, it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. Mm, yeah. It's a bit dicey. I don't love it. Um, yeah, that's not good consent. Not good consent. Not good consent. That could go to some dark places real fast. Not, um, not good consent by Charles Dickens. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Fuck. Kind of a recurring theme. <laughs> um so we we're back to the like they are like i don't know like teens they're like quite supposed to be quite young and um they're talking oh, are they gavin supposed is, to be that young i don't know if they're supposed to be teens but i think they're supposed to be like very young adults like maybe they're yeah, 20 early 20s i figured yeah um and they're like gavin is in his car this like beat up old volvo and <clears throat> uh vivian is talking to him through the window and he's trying to ask her on a date and she's like oh like on a date and he's like well and she's like oh i'm just kidding we're just friends let's go to this thing together anyway and it's like mah, mah, mah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um and this is also where we see her like early career projects where she's directing a christmas commercial for a cookie company yeah um and she's not, I, I, it seems, the impression I get based on her conversation with Pat at this point is that she was either paid nothing for it or paid like very little. Very she like little. did it partially for the experience and partially out of the kindness of her heart. Yeah. Uh, in 2010, I have Belinda didn't want Gavin as her manager. At first she was like hesitant about it. Mm. And Gavin's dad is like harping on him to quit the music oh business. Oh my god, he's the fucking worst, that guy. <laughs> Do you want to rant about it? Go. Is, well, is this the scene where no, that's later, where he goes out to the his dad's fucking shed. It's later, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll rant then. Okay, yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. Um, <laughs> Suffice to say, his dad's a fucking dick. Yes, he is. Um, but we do go to the carnival. Um, yes. So uh, Vivian and Gavin are at the carnival and they have this beanbag throwing contest and he wins her a snowman. Gavin promises Vivian that when he becomes Vivi uh, Belinda's manager, Vivian can direct Belinda's first music video. Right, and which is a promise he probably can't really make. He should not be making this promise at all. No. Um, and then they almost kiss. And then she stops it by asking a stranger to take a picture of them with her very 2010 digital camera. So then we go, we briefly go back to the present where yeah. Vivian can returns Gavin's scarf. Yeah, she returns the all important scarf. Yes, the the port key, as it were. Yeah. Um. So there's a line I really like where she's like, take me back to the like later that night. It was the worst night of my life. And uh, Pat is like, it's your rodeo. <laughs> and then takes her back to the not fun part. So we're at the Chet Walder Christmas party. Um, Chet is a big wig record executive. Is he an um, actual country music person? Oh, you know what? I didn't look him up. Adam Fristo, not a name that I recognize. Hmm. Nope. Actor. He's a classic. Oh, he has an MFA in classical acting. He made some interesting choices in his scenes. Oh, like what? 
Um, I felt like he had decided that his character was looking for cocaine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's just got this weird energy and he's just really <laughs> squirrely. Like, and all, all he wants is to do a giant rail of cocaine. Yeah. Enjoy his party. Right. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to listen to this bitch who thinks she's going to direct a video. <laughs> Yeah. He, he is not taking her seriously at all. Oh yeah, he's a dick. He is and presumably dead. at his own party, he wouldn't have to work very hard to find some coke. Like it's his party, think, right? You would think, but he yeah. is yeah, he is just jonesing yeah, he's, for something that whole he's time. he's he's itchy. Yeah, that's a good observation. Um so right off the bat, they get to the party and uh Chet is like, oh, look, it's Belinda's new manager. And Gavin's like, oh my God, I got the job. And it's like a big, it's a, you know, it's a big to do and whatever. It's yeah. all exciting. And then Chet's like, you know, you know, uh, Vivian can't direct the first music video. Your little director friend, he calls her, which is mm. pretty, pretty rough. Um, and then uh, Vivian confronts gavin about this and she's like what the hell you told me i could do this and chet's like i expect you to back me up on this you work for me now and gavin is like oh i don't know i guess you can't direct the video yeah exactly yeah Um, i love how it's just this immediate (laughs) instead of this nor the way it would normally happen if it ever happened at all over like the course of weeks yeah emails going back and forth yeah it's just this one weird conversation at a party with a a coked out music guy exactly exactly good time um yeah what a fun party so (laughs) then for some reason vivian stays at this party i'm not really sure like as a as a person if that were to happen to me i would leave but you would think yeah um, so I have, and, well, she has I to stay. I mean, for practical reasons, she has to stay and watch that conversation from afar with Gavin and what's her name um, that they then show from a different angle later on. Yeah, right. So. Of course. And for her purposes, she has to stay to meet Marilyn, which is what. Oh happens yes, the, that's the right. Scene. She meets her at that party. I, right? I have written down that um, Vivian meets Marilyn while crying at the snack table. <laughs> it's like crying at a snack table is un- very unfortunately relatable. <laughs> that's a that's an excellent album title. We should crying we should write a country table. album called "Crying <laughs> at the Snack Table." Uh, we have oh, so God. many good ideas. <laughs> How can we get them all done? We do have a lot of really good ideas. It's a good thing they're all recorded, huh? (laughs) And hey, we managed to materialize one of them. Look at this podcast we made. You know, what's kind of funny is that if I were to start crying right now, I would kind of be at a snack table. (laughs) Are you surrounded by snacks? I am surrounded by snacks. (laughs) Um, So she meets Marilyn. Snack table. That's the B-side album. Yeah, that's the uh, the stripped down, the uh, M- MTV Unplugged album. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so Marilyn takes her to the Country Christmas Live set. Because, of course, at this point in history, Marilyn is the executive producer. Um, right. And Vivian is a longtime fan. Of course. 
so they they go to the set and Marilyn gives her some sage life advice she says it's time you looked out for you and Marilyn offers her a job on the set um and that like this is kind of this is like sort of the last piece of this scene so this is the worst night of her life um but also which, the best which ended in her getting a job which yeah. is a, I mean, a life-altering job I think that's, I don't is that what we're supposed to take away that yes. she's been looking at it from the wrong angle basically well not at this point um she yeah. has the like wrong angle perspective when the ghost takes her to his uh what's his name gavin's perspective and yep. realize that he tried to stand up for her or he did stand up for her but it wasn't successful yep. but like I, it, the the note that this scene ends on is like like i was watching i was watching this with a cutie in fact um mm -hmm. with a date and she was like this is the worst night of this person's life like you know I don't want to undermine how difficult that disappointment would have been. And, you know, that's fine. And those things are real, but I'm like, this is not very upsetting. <laughs> like again, it's I can also time compressed. And if they yeah. had, if they had decompressed that a bit, they could have really built up the part that she's lost her best friend who she yeah. was maybe starting to have romantic feelings for even a little bit and or at least yeah. they thought they were going to follow the same career path together yeah and and now that's all changed yeah um but it's all and like yeah that's washed into and again they could have spent more time getting to know Winona Judd and all that stuff but yeah um it's all but it's for like, whatever reason it's getting... all like immediate an immediate change of life and like getting talked down and by this like sexist cokehead, like yeah. that sucks, you know, like all, like all of these things are sh shitty for sure. But like, yeah. I don't know, I guess like, you know, these movies aren't about like real trauma or oppression well, no. or any of those like actually worst night of your life kind of things. Um, I get it. I get it. That not everything has to be about that. Um, but but worst night of my life, wor worst night of my life was like a little... It was a bit much, I thought. Yeah, yeah. It it doesn't feel real the way that they would want country music related material to feel. Yeah, totally. Like they t they talk about dark shit in country music. Well, yeah, exactly. Real. Like. Yeah. Um. So then we go back to the house. And <laughs> I love this scene. <laughs> are we still? Are we in the present? We are now because okay. this is the scene where uh, she's kind of she's just kind of venting to her family, right? And her dad on Facetime and her sister yeah. in real life. Yeah, and her dad and her sister are both kind of like, "Oh, so people think you're kind of a high maintenance pain in the ass, huh?" Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, "What? I can compromise," like, and they're mean? all just like staring into the middle distance. <laughs> They're like, yes, yes. Yeah. Oh, what was that? I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs> that was really funny. Um, and then, um, and then Georgia drags her out under false pretenses to meet up with Gavin to force her to talk to Gavin, and that's where I. Oh, wrote, right. And that's where I wrote that this was not good consent. Georgia, who is supposedly going yeah. to law school. 
<laughs> even like like I'm like okay in this situation I would be like you know maybe a little white lie to like get her dressed get her in the car and then on the way to the bar be like BT dubs invited Gavin yeah love you you should just do this anyway have so yeah. much fun Don't but the, walk like her all the way to the table yeah and be like oh, look at the time <laughs> oh no I'm late for an appointment um so but george's plan totally works because vivian and gavin start reminiscing together um there's one i wrote down uh this one line about how vivian had a cat that emmy gavin lou nicknamed emmy lou hairless <laughs> <laughs> that yes, made me I laugh out loud that, <laughs> that was a really good line kudos to the writer who came up with that so then at the bar, uh, Gavin also tells Vivian that he thinks about, quote, that night a lot. Mm. Uh, it's also a rough night for him. Mm. Uh, and he apologizes. They like, they like sort of make amends for that situation. Um, and then they're going outside. They're going to get a cab. Um, or Vivian is going to get a cab and on the way she passes she gives money to someone playing guitar oh, this is and, where, yeah. and this is where um, Pat kicks Brooks Pat is she, she's like oh god it's you and she's sort of like oh Gavin can you wait I like wait here by the cab I just need to go do a thing quickly and she like runs back to Pat and she's like you know whatever and he's like i have to show you something else and they return to the party to the worst night of her life mm. and this is where we get the whole conversation and the the piece from gavin's perspective right where he do you want to tell tell this part um well we basically see the previous scene uh, that she had witnessed from afar where he was talking to his only client about how the, how they were gonna shoot this video and and all this other stuff, um, yeah. and what he shows her from basically this alternate angle is Gavin arguing again with the cokehead, I think, to you know basically advocating for Viv, um, and the cokehead basically saying, "Why are we still arguing about this? I'm the boss. Fuck off!" And you know just do as you're told, basically. Yeah. Um, and the guy's like, and Gavin's like, well, I guess I feel like I have no choice but to go ahead and do this because I don't want to fuck things up for my client. Yeah. Um, so, you know. And we also, just to add on to that, we also have Belinda be like, Gavin, did you tell Vivian how you feel? And right. Gavin's, Gavin's like, there's no point now. Right. Right. So you, we we learn, or Vivian learns, that A, Gavin has feelings for her and was going to tell her that night, and B, that he actually did stand up to Chet, yeah. the sketchy executive guy, yeah. even though she thinks that he didn't. Exactly. So that so, that's... So that's is, a, this is the, I mean, this is probably one of the more kind of massive plot misunderstanding devices that we've had in, in all the movies that we've watched in a like hallmark it, movie yeah yeah it's, it's usually not so massive because like they're they're such good friends it seems weird that they never cleared this up right yeah but whatever here we are and here we are yeah 
but they've cleared um, it up now. Well, no, they haven't. Kix Brooks. She, Kix Brooks has cleared it up in her mind, but at this point, she has not actually reconciled with Gavin. With him. Yeah. yeah. So this is where my COVID catches. Um, oh. So they return to the present. She hugs Kix Brooks goodbye, mm-hmm. and she, he's like, "This has been our last time together. You'll be visited by." the ghost of Christmas present next. Good luck. And then she returns to the cab with Gavin and he, you know, whatever happens, they say goodnight. She gets in the cab. And if you pause the movie, it happens very quickly at 51 minutes. The cab driver is wearing a medical mask. Yes. I noticed that. Which like, you know, people wore medical masks before COVID, but it's the first, it's the first COVID mask I've seen in a 2020 made Uh, Christmas movie yeah Um, yeah I noticed that too I was very pleased about that catch yeah um so the next morning uh Gavin has convinced Vivian to take the day off she is not allowed to wear her producer hat the wreath that she's making there are a a couple of notes about this okay (laughs) just about the fact that they're taking a day off because isn't the show two days from now yes it is what the fuck nicole that doesn't make any sense at all they spend six months making this christmas special apparently and then two days before it airs they're like we're gonna take a day yeah yeah everybody (laughs) we'll see you tomorrow for you know dress and tech all the rehearsals yep yeah exactly anyway um um, dr (laughs) slip actually had a note around this as well because they have this asinine scene where basically gavin insists that she doesn't do anything work related and he's like grabbing her phone and stuff and dr slip hated that (laughs) just because of like general condescending sexism or for any other reason no just for that reason i think yeah Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. brutal. It's like, yeah, yeah. he's got a pretty important job, like in the scope of this project. Yeah, I'm and... the executive producer, you dipshit. And you've already caused me a lot of headaches. So why don't you let me do my job if I feel like yeah. doing my job, you dickhead. Big time. <laughs> Just because yeah. I've and given like, you all a day off doesn't mean I have to take a day off. Yeah, and they're like making a wreath. And she's like, oh, this color blue would be so good for whatever. And he's like, what did you say? And she's like, uh, uh, I'm not thinking about work. And it's like, oh my God. She's like, stop trying to top me, you prick. Yeah, he's not even doing a good job of it. No, exactly. He's a lousy top. Yeah, he's a bad top. Um, so then they have a heart to heart about Gavin's dad. Gavin's dad has never accepted his son's career choice. Yeah, his this son's really apparently difficult. very successful music industry career. Like, what does his dad do that's so great? He owns a construction company. Right. And he's got those calipers. So, yeah. So I feel like we're, we're supposed to be like, oh, his dad is like a down to earth working man. And this like fancy showbiz job his son had has is like. I feel that's a pretty classic country music plot, really. There's probably <laughs> been episodes of Nashville about this very thing, right? Um. Yeah, approximately. Oh, Nashville's so good. I know I talk about Nashville a lot on this podcast, but it's really so good. Maybe I'll rewatch it I... over Christmas. So then after the heart to heart about Gavin's dad, there's a montage where they're Christmas ornament shopping and there's also a children's choir. I don't know what else happens, but those two things occur. Mm. Fair enough. 
So then we go back home to Vivian's home and guess who's there? Kimberly Williams Paisley. America's sweetheart's sister, Kimberly America's... Williams Paisley. Right. And Kimberly is married to actual country star Brad Paisley. Brad Paisley, one of the biggest country stars in the world. Is he in this anywhere? Did you notice? No. He's not. Okay. He's not. He shows, I think he is in Nashville. Kimberly Williams Paisley also plays a fairly prominent character for a few seasons in Nashville. And I think Brad Paisley oh, makes she? an appearance. Yeah. He makes an appearance as himself <laughs> in like a bit role, being like, hello, I'm a real country star in this fictional show about country stars, which happens quite a bit in the show. It's amazing. Sure. Um, so Kimberly Williams Paisley has this very Southern dramatic southern accent and she is the ghost of christmas present speaking of interesting choices for an actor she has got Mm, some interesting accent stuff going on in this scene Mm, in what way just that it's like really overdone very overdone very inconsistent yeah (laughs) it's inconsistent it's it's kind of like she's got like a knob and she's dialing it from one to eight to three to ten to five <laughs> um yeah. it's a little Do you distracting know, are, the, are the Williams sisters southern for no. real do you know they're not no I don't think so no, okay. I think they're from like Connecticut or something okay so. um so yes Kimberly Williams Paisley I also worth mentioning this might this might not translate to our younger listeners, but she was also the star of a very popular um, film series called Father of the Bride. Hi. Anyway, Kimberly Williams Paisley is, um, yeah, she's the bride in the, uh, in the Father of the Bride movies. Yes. From back then. And she's been in a um, bunch of dramas and TV series and, and whatnot. Yeah. Um, so... Kimberly Williams Paisley is I don't I don't get her ghost name um we'll just keep calling her Kimberly Williams Paisley she is the ghost of Christmas present so she takes Vivian to some moments that are currently happening so that they can eavesdrop on them anyone who had eavesdrop on their bingo card really cashed in big um in this movie I did not unfortunately Um, But she finds out that Vivian finds out that Georgia, her sister and Parker have been dating for six and a half months and Um, she's furious. Well, I mean, she should be furious with herself for somehow not noticing that. Yeah. Like, how do you not? Well, she's so she's so career obsessed. She doesn't even have a boyfriend, Scott. Um, She's so obsessed with the, the milk bottles and whatnot that she has to deal with. Exactly. So she's furious because there's secret dating on her set, and how could that ever happen? Right. Um, so then, that's sort of that's sort of that, and then it cuts to the evening in the present, mm-hmm. uh, or it's still the present, but it's the evening in real life. And um, oh man, did you want to just get into those matching pajamas? Those matching pajamas, and just like crash on that couch yes and eat all that popcorn popcorn with them that was it was it was a very cozy amazing movie scene it was really quintessential Um, i loved it oh well they're making popcorn cranberry strings but obviously i just wanted to eat all the popcorn yeah yeah. Uh, so vivian sort of now she knows that georgia and parker are dating so she sort of teases it out of georgia and georgia's like 
confesses that she doesn't actually want to go to law school. Yeah, that's George the confession. Like, what if I don't actually go to law school though? And Viv is yeah. like, God damn it, Georgia. Yeah, and she blames Parker, and Georgia's like, How do you know about Parker? And she's like, Of course I know about Parker. It's my set. <laughs> um, and then that this Real conflict only power lasts. Move there. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. It only lasts for about fifteen seconds, and then they have a popcorn fight, and everything's fine. True. My note at this point, I wrote, do not drop out of law school for a man, Georgia. Please don't. But it turns out that she doesn't go to law school because she really loves her job. She really loves her job. Yes. That's her reasoning. And she does explicitly say, like, I feel like they go out of their way to be like, she didn't do it for a man because she's like, oh, keep like I get to keep dating you. And that's a like fringe benefit. But I really love my job. And we're like, OK, well, I hope that's true exactly um so then we go to the set and henry moss big boss henry moss um is there and he offers vivian this big time award show job but on the contingent that she shoots the dog just kidding (laughs) on the contingent (laughs) that she swaps Alexis and Belinda in the show. So Belinda will lose her top billing spot and Alexis, the new young starlet, will get the like opening number. Right. My note at this point was, I don't believe this is that big a deal, but Uh it is a very Nashville the series trope. Yes, big time. Like I, I feel like that kind of jockeying for the position of like a of a billing yep is i feel like almost every episode of nashville was about that somewhere yes they definitely play up the conflict between reina and juliet barnes oh my god yes yeah for sure um so then (laughs) then we go to vivian's house where she and Gavin are decorating her Christmas tree and she breaks the news to Gavin that she has to swap Alexis and Belinda and he like takes it pretty well so they're decorating the tree and Gavin is like please let me tell Belinda that you need to switch her out like I owe it to her um it was at this point that the cutie I was watching this with asked the question because in this scene it's apparent that the crew party is that night the day before they film the show why is the rap party the night before they film the show that makes no sense yeah i didn't i guess i didn't realize that that's what that party was um but yes that doesn't that's make any sense is. and it does again i i feel like we're seeing a bit of a covid thing happen because it also feels like when they do film the scenes with the, you know, the two singers. Yeah. Um, maybe there's a bunch of other stuff that they don't show us, but we basically only see two songs. Yeah. And then they're like, that's a rap. Yeah, <laughs> and totally. Like, and we're like, oh, okay. This, Wait, what? <laughs> this, this thing we've been working on all this time is over now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Only it's not. We're coming back again next week, I guess. Yeah, totally. <laughs> that that was the point where I was like am I missing something like what's going on with this show exactly yeah it's not it doesn't make a lot of sense no 
but I, I think I, they know that because like they that don't really could have been clearer. Yeah. Oh no, exactly. Like maybe <clears> they <throat> just go to some kind of weird weekly reruns for a while, or I, I don't know. I don't know. Um. So the next scene is your favorite scene in the movie, Scott. We go to Gavin's dad's house. Oh my god. This guy. So yeah, go. I'm ready. Um, my note is Gavin's dad is a prick. Yep. Uh, Gavin does a quick therapy body slam on dad that seems like he's been <laughs> rehearsing for a while. Um, that what a scene that is. Yeah. Uh, Gavin basically just says, you know, look, dad. Uh, oh, okay. I'll back up a little bit because the the really truly appalling part of that scene is when his dad is trying to manipulate something with his hands and he keeps oh flipping. yeah and he's like oh man my hands are so calloused from all the manual labor that i do i can't seem to get a get a hold of this hair thing maybe you can pick it up gavin with your soft womanly hands <laughs> are we are we supposed to put like surmise from that that he can't do it because his hands are callous i was like oh he has it arthritis doesn't make, yeah it, yeah the actual problem is he does have arthritis or something and he's yeah. finding it hard to work yeah so it's so weird like the way they've written this you if you stop and think about it you're like oh okay there's this psychological reason for why he's such a terrible prick to his son yeah but it just doesn't come across in the right. scene, like the way it's been scripted and the way it's performed. It just feels like an insane little moment between these two men. And Gavin yeah. quite rightly is like, look, um, clearly I'm never going to please you, but I enjoy my life and what I do. And I hope someday you'll be happy for me. I'm out yeah. of here. Uh, enjoy fucking around with your train set or whatever it is you're doing out here. Yeah. And so, I mean, that was nice to see that happen, but it, I also felt like I got a bit of whiplash just as a viewer. Just being like, oh shit, I guess that problem solved. Okay, cool, let's go. <laughs> done and done, wrap that up. <laughs> yeah, fuck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> What's next? Yeah, well, next we go to the rap party occurring the night before the show. Right. Uh, um. <sighs> So at the rap party, Vivian accidentally tells Belinda oh, about the right. switch. Yeah, she, she doesn't realize stuff up for Gavin. She doesn't realize Gavin hasn't done it yet. So Belinda is like visibly like uh, affected. She obviously, yeah, she's upset. She didn't know, so she she like takes off. Um, You'd think Viv would know better. Yeah, it's kind of an unprofessional move to just assume. Yeah, it it like, feel, it actually it felt you. a bit unrealistically dumb on her part. Yeah, she's obviously good at her job. Yeah, yeah. Anyway. Maybe maybe we're supposed to believe that she's like a little more casual and let her guard down a bit because I mean, of Gavin. She's also experiencing a psychotic break and talking to ghosts. <laughs> so. okay, good point, good point. We, we probably don't need to worry too much if she slips up and... Yeah. Anyway. It's a good point. It's a good point. Um... So then, uh, you know, she tells Vivian runs into Gavin and it's revealed that Gavin hadn't yet told Belinda and Vivian's like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then Belinda's like gone. 
she's like bolted from the party reasonably i would do the same thing oh yeah and it also turns out that alexis is missing right we can't find alexis um also i think we skipped over a scene there's a brief scene where viv talks to alexis because alexis is feeling nervous about the gig i think right there's a few scenes about this yeah yeah so it's kind of it's seeded earlier on how this is all gonna wrap up but there's also um, an earlier scene it's very quick between belinda and alexis and alexis is like i'm really nervous do you have any advice for me and belinda is like if you forget the words just keep on dancing which is like very i was like yeah that's that's sweet that's nice like she could have been like catty or shitty or like don't step on my spotlight or whatever but they like i'm so glad they didn't do that Mm. um so both stars are missing i also managed to catch the name of the they're in the the sort of fictionalized country music hall of fame which is just called the musicians hall of fame sure sure um so the present ghost appears again and Vivian's like, I am trying to deal with a crisis. I don't have time for this. And she's like, I don't care. Quick, catch your car keys. And she catches the keys midair. And then she's transported. And she's like, I really need to stop falling for Why that. Why do I keep falling for that? <laughs> Kimberly Williams Paisley is really hilarious in that scene. Yeah, she's just despite the erratic accent, she's quite charming. Yeah. Um, so the present ghost takes her to the work party um, where Vivian overhears Parker and her sister and some other people we don't know the names of talking about Vivian and Parker's like Vivian could ease up a bit like she's pretty intense to work for and Georgia's like this is where she's like you know my sister's my hero I love my job like I don't want to go to law school I just want to stay here and do this Um, we learn I don't really fully understand maybe you did Scott this plot line about Vivian secretly donating all the gifts to the children, mm. but like Marilyn gets credit for it. I didn't really get that. Did you? Um, I think it's just some kind of program that she managed on behalf of Marilyn, like Marilyn funded it and Viv okay. coordinated it. And right. so from the perspective of the orphanage director or whoever mm-hmm. it is, the there's kind of an earlier scene where they see this as well, right? Yeah. Um, from her perspective, I think it's like if Viv wasn't doing it, it wouldn't happen. Right. But Viv doesn't get credit for it. It's like still she, Marilyn's name. That's right. And and she okay. doesn't particularly want credit for it either. She just yeah yeah. It. Right. Okay. So we learn that also in this present ghost moment, or that's like wrapped up and clarified, I think. Yeah. Well, this is like the Scrooge redemption moment, right? Where yeah. she's seeing people say good things about her and she's yeah, like, totally. oh, maybe I actually have a path forward here. Oh, that's right, of course, because the scene is that it's like overhearing the like toy drive people talk yeah. about like, thank goodness Vivian does all this. Yeah. Right, of course. Um, so then we cut to Alexis and Belinda who have found each other at this like Christmas festival outdoor karaoke stage and they're like oh you're here you're here and they do a sing-along and it's very nice yeah and Viv sees this of course and has the genius slash incredibly obvious idea of just putting them together as a duet on the opening number 
Um, so Belinda is also like, Gavin, you need to take on another talent. You should be Alexis's manager. Why doesn't Alexis have a manager? I don't know. It's not. I, I'm it's really not... unclear as to what her position is career-wise. Does she have a recording I, contract? I think she's supposed to be kind of a big deal. Like she's like an up-and-coming starlet. Yeah. So I guess that just doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't. Yeah. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, So we also learn that there is no spirit of Christmas future because, quote, that song hasn't been written yet. How convenient. Isn't it? Mm. I wonder if they plan Um, on doing another one of these. Oh, my God. Maybe we'll move to the past and visit this movie. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Meta. Yep. Uh, my, my last note around this is I'm confused. Is Country Christmas a full-time job? They just wrapped the shoot. Is that not a wrap until next Christmas? I don't. <laughs> I can't. I can't answer that, Scott. I just. I, I wish that I could, and I just don't know. I also have in very big block letters. So you can see the size of the letters compared to the other notes do not let your sister quit law school do not let your sister quit law school viv you could have free legal representation (laughs) i don't think technically her sister has gone to law school yet no but she should let her go and push her to law school it would benefit everyone well it might not benefit georgia it sounds like she really doesn't want to go she could really she could really, you know, discover herself there. Really, it's like she, Georgia doesn't know what she wants. She could just exactly what she and what she wants is a girlfriend. Yes. Oh my God. Do you think Georgia's? Oh my God. Georgia's obviously queer. Wow. Thank you for mm-hmm. that. Thank you for that. Um, oh, and yeah, also so the show. Dad came to the show. Yeah, Gavin's dad came to the show and his mom. Somehow the dad is proud and is over his like 20 year hang up about his career. He literally, he shakes Gavin's hand as if it's the first time they've ever shaken hands. I don't think they've ever exchanged. They've clearly never exchanged affection before. They literally, he's like, I'm proud of you and shakes his hand is what I wrote. It's the saddest thing ever. It's very, it's very sad. It's a really interesting commentary on this relationship. Jesus. Um, so Belinda and Alexis duet for the opener, which is very lovely. There are cowboy Santa dancers in the background (laughs) and I will be dressing like a cowboy Santa dancer for next year's both Halloween and Christmas. You're welcome. Um, why isn't it live? Uh, why why isn't it live? I mean, COVID is the answer, but it's not the answer that's given. No. Um, Vivian turns down her fancy award show offer and then Henry is like you because she can't move to LA and Henry's like you can commute yeah there's like an extra there's there's a bit of a longer conversation in there where isn't there like an extra scene inserted there where she's told Henry I'm not going to take the job Yeah, she walks off and think some more or does she meet up with Gavin again no I think it all happens in one is it all in one okay I think so so yeah basically she Henry gives her the option to commute doing it 
from Nashville um, to LA. Yeah. And that allows her to continue to, she's going to keep working on the Christmas show too, back in Nashville is, was my understanding. Is that, is that oh, what's going I, on? I assumed she was staying in Nashville because of Gavin. Well, she but is, guess, but she would but also Gavin continue doing this show, right? But Gavin lives in LA, so that doesn't really make a lot of sense. I assume Gavin would, like, if you're managing two up-and-coming country stars, wouldn't you have offices in LA and Nashville? I wouldn't assume that. But they go out of their way to talk about how Gavin's moved to LA 10 years ago. A, impacted their relationship. Yeah, he's a sellout, and it, like, impacted their relationship. It was a big misunderstanding, and he still lives there. Because the reason he's around his dad so much is because he's staying with his parents, like, mm. for the holidays, right? Yeah. So then she, Vivian shows Gavin the tape from their childhood that they made, and right. then there's mistletoe on the set, obviously, and they kiss, and that's the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I was pretty into this movie. Um, I thought this movie was really cute and I really enjoyed watching it overall. Yeah. Um, I mean, it didn't make a lot of sense. No. And I mean, it's also a Christmas carol. So yeah, none of it makes sense. Yeah. But um, I enjoyed the cast for the most part. Um, really Doug Georgia, like I said. Yeah. Um, so you think in terms of queer content, you read her as queer, which I I agree with. I, I really wished her into queerness for sure. Yeah. Um, one thing that I did come away with, uh, as much as I enjoyed the experience of watching the movie, and I feel like it's a fun movie in and of itself, it's mm-hmm. not a queer movie. Like it, no, it's, yeah. it's really not a queer movie at all. For uh, sure. Although I will say, apart from Georgia, Winona Judd's kind of queer <laughs> i mean i think she's been an inspiration for drag queens oh yeah yeah for sure. like you know impersonators and a, and a willing one absolutely oh yeah for a long time yeah i mean obviously i would never mean that as a slight but i think oh no Win- winona judd herself is like very into how campy her like persona has been taken yeah. and like made beautiful by drag culture and i think there are some country performers who would absolutely hate that well they're monsters obviously i think you know that i would like i didn't do a lot of nicole's trivia i don't think i did any nicole's trivia corner i would like to do an unrelated nicole's trivia corner right now on the topic of country stars and drag Mm. once dolly parton a goddess to us all entered a dolly parton lookalike contest and lost yes i've heard that It's amazing. I think she lost to a queen, like a drag queen. Sure, yeah. Um, I love Dolly Parton. Um, I've already started collecting because I don't know if you know about Instagram and the fact that I'm now an Instagram influencer through I've our podcast. I've, I feel slightly influenced. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so now, much. Now we got reposted by Bitch Media, which is cool. maybe the highlight of my entire life as an influencer which has only been for the last 2019 <laughs> days so that's i mean good. that's that's pretty good influence really short <laughs> yeah time, short time um but i've already started collecting content for when our 
Dolly Parton episode drops. I'm okay. very excited. Um, so that's the end of, of the movie. I think you're right. This movie was not queer at all. Um, no. Yes, I hope queerness for Georgia as well. That's a beautiful wish. I don't think a triad would have been helpful. I think better communication, as always, would have been helpful. <clears throat> but um, there weren't really any triads to be had. No, not really. I like to think that all the ghosts hang out, like Kix Brooks, Kimberly mm. Williams, Paisley, and Winona Judd. What about a triad between Viv, Gavin, and Kimberly Williams, Paisley? Oh. I feel like that would be I bet fun. That was a Nashville Christmas Carol. We did it. Congratulations. Well that thanks, for thanks for letting me uh, rant for... I'm going to say I ranted for probably 20 minutes um, <laughs> about country music. So thanks for letting that happen. <laughs> Obviously, you're going to cut it all. You're going to cut it all because that's like a third of our episode time. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. <laughs> it could be a bonus track. Okay, great. Well, we will be back in your ears tomorrow with a very special film that I we will be back in your ears tomorrow for Dolly Parton's Christmas on the fucking square I don't think that's what it's called that's what it's fucking called I'm here to tell you it is past my bedtime I'm already in my house coat Dolly Parton's Christmas on the fucking square if you don't follow our Instagram yet, you're going to want to for tomorrow's episode because I am warned. any holds that have been barred will be unbarred tomorrow. I didn't realize we were barring holds. I don't know that I have been, but I feel like Dolly just unleashes something in all of us. And in hold. my case, yes, in my case, the chokehold will be released onto Instagram. So look forward to that. Well, I really have to live up to this promise, eh? <laughs> I, I feel like you're you're very capable of that. Thank you very much. I'm really selling it, so I really got to make sure I deliver. <laughs> um, <clears throat> okay, great. Well, thank you, Scott, as always, um, my illustrious co-host, and to our equally illustrious listeners. We love you all. Thanks, everybody. You've been listening to Season 1, Episode 20 of A Podcast in a Queer Tree by Nicole Marcoux and Scott Marshall. Visit apodcastinqueertree.com for this episode's links, plus our social media and a link to our Patreon. Don't forget to play bingo along with us when you're watching holiday movies. You can find the cards at hallmarkmoviebingo.com. Our theme music is by a master kick flipper and a servant to the skipper. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us again tomorrow. But whatever you do, we love you. Happy holidays.